even now, that once again, as your word tells us, to be continually filled. The word literally says, be being filled. Lord, let us not ever run on empty because you're there to fill us. You're there to refresh us. You're there to revive us. And Lord, there's no one to blame for us being empty but ourselves. Lord, I pray that even today, God, our arms be open and our eyes attentive, Lord, to the outpouring that you want to do in us, the refreshing that you choose to bring in our lives. And Lord, today we honor you and we worship you and we thank you. Thank you that you are in this place. We give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Come on, somebody. Give him a hand clap of praise this house. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Woo. Sit down. Come on. We... Look at somebody say, you look good in the house. Amen. You look great this morning. It's, it is such a pleasure of mine to introduce our guest speaker. Uh, I've, I've known Childers' family. Actually, I, I should say it this way. The Childers' family has known me since I was a little tyke. Uh, my brother pastors the old McDuffie Street Church of God in Anderson, South Carolina, which is the home church to the, your family. But, but um, Brother Roger and Pam, they have they've served as pastor. They've served in multiple capacities in the state level. They've, they've served as the... Um, directors of the children's home in South Carolina and today they bless a lot of pastors uh, I was hearing a statistic that they've in the last 24 months they've actually counseled with over 600 pastors or 600 sessions with pastors and to think that you know a lot of times some people think well pastors have it all together you can ask him who she's married to <laughs> we need help sometimes or at least she needs help sometimes with me I, but anyway, it is, it is a, an honor to have a, a, a man and woman of God who are passionately helping other men and women of God. And I, and I know that, that the Lord has given a word to them to bring to us today. And so can we just make the Childers family welcome this morning? Good morning. Okay, is everybody on the right time zone now? Don't know, but we're trying. We're trying. God bless you. Beautiful facilities. I've never been here before, but I don't know. No, I don't need to. Let's do a. We don't. A lot of times, preachers don't pay much attention to the clocks anyway do they some of them i know he does but you know some don't but our pleasure to be here today to share with you to meet some of you for the first time some we met since friday and have had a wonderful time uh an enlightening time uh, it's, it's amazing when you when you do marriage enrichment seminars with people uh, and then get to have the privilege to go to church with them on on Sunday morning. You you remember some of their antics of the last few days, and then it kind of helps you know how to pray for the pastor after that. <laughs> but we had fun. Every we we uh, enjoyed the blessings of the Lord, and now we get to kind of wrap things up and share with you on a, on a Sunday morning, a beautiful weekend. I don't know if you guys thought that Saturday you were going to wake up to a winter wonderland like you did, uh, but it was it's always beautiful, isn't it? But uh, this time it was beautiful and extremely cold. Uh, this morning, I uh, just about had to get a, a crowbar 
on one side of the truck to open the doors. They were frozen on one side. And we've had a good time. And my dear wife, Pam, is here. And later on in the message, I'm going to give her an opportunity to, as the Lord does, direct things to share with you. Because God is working in people's lives, miraculous ways, and I really think we should always, anytime God does something miraculous, we should speak of it. You know, we should tell people about what the Lord has done. You know, we sing a song, look what the Lord has done. We should tell what the Lord has done because it encourages people. Maybe some people are going through very difficult times and hard times, or maybe maybe they have disease or sicknesses that they don't know how to cope with on their own, but when they hear somebody share about how God has touched and ministered. Uh, it's, a, it's an encouragement. So going to let her, Lord willing, get in here a little bit later on. If I can shut up and let her tell you what the Lord's done in her life. Uh, Pastor Paul is, y- y'all, this is a, not only a beautiful church, great group of people, but you're very fortunate to have a great pastoral team. Paul and Kim are great, wonderful people that you get to hear and interact with them pretty regular. And you have a staff of people that work with them, that keep all the other different ministries of the church going, very important uh, for for the uh, for the marriage enrichment. I do appreciate uh, the fact that Connie and GT really went out of their way to help us get a lot of stuff together. Really did, and, and others of you that uh, names I do not know were also uh, just a very helpful part, and we we do thank you so very much. Um, I did not know you had such a beautiful praise team. Isn't it good when you to come and hear just how we have an opportunity to speak out praises to the Lord, no matter how we feel, what we've been through. And that's what the Lord does when you come together like that. I'm going to share just a, a statement of a scripture, and I'm going to use other scriptures to to tell you about what God does with unknown things. You know, you may, you may think something's not very important, but maybe in the eyes of God, it's going to be more important to you than anything you've run into in life yet. God does a lot of just unique things with unknown things. Uh, and in, in 2 Samuel 5, it mentions that David had other sons born to him. And we know David, great leader of, of Israel, and, and sons that he had. But he had some other sons, unknown, no big deal. Well, so we thought, when you hear their names and what their names represent and mean, maybe it won't be so unknown to you anymore. He said he had other sons and daughters born, but these specific sons were called Elishama, Eliada, and Eliphalat. Now, that's, that's three more names right there in Second Samuel 5 and verses 13 and 15, just brief references there to Elishama, 
Think about these unique names. Elishama. Eliada. Eliphalet. Not too common. I, ha I don't recall hearing them anywhere else. I don't know where you got your name from. I, and I, I know some of your names. Most of your names I do not know. I, I find names very interesting. I don't know where you got your name from. Of course, your pastor, he got his from the great apostle Paul of the New Testament. So he, you know, he's got a big, big name to live up to. I don't know where your name came from. Some of you like, well, you know, I wish I had time to tell you, man, because my name, my parents named me after so-and-so. And, you know, you, you, you hear your name and you're like, well, I'm, I've got some, some good pedigree in me from that name. My name come from this or that. I always thought my name, this really ages me because there's probably very few people in here that remember this baseball player, but he did set some records, Roger Maris. Uh, around the time, you know, my birth and a little later on, he was famous for hitting the most home runs in a single season, Roger Maris. So I get old enough and I start playing baseball, you know, and I played City League Baseball, and, and I'd tell people who I was. My name is Roger. You know, I didn't always say, but I, I always thought all of them in a, in a, in a, on the baseball field, like, oh, dude, Roger Maris, no doubt, no doubt. So for years, I just go along life thinking I'm named after this great baseball player, Roger Maris. But one day, I guess around like a kitchen table, I was talking about being named after Roger Maris. You know, I, just, I was feeling good about things. I talking around, and, and my mom's kind of just laughing a little bit and grinning, and I'm like, what's wrong? I'm proud to be named after him. I said, baseball's my thing, you know. And she said, son, you weren't named after Roger Maris. Come on. There's, there's no other option. I don't know any other Rogers. She said, well, my, I have a brother four years older than I am. And Pastor Paul knows that he is a troublemaker anyway. But my brother, she said, your brother had an old raggedy Andy doll that he used to drag around the house. He wouldn't even pick, pick it up. Just drag it around in the dirt, outside in the dirt, inside in the dirt. You know, he just dragged that old doll around and said that when you were born, we were talking about naming your little brother. And he's like, name him Roger Dale, like my doll. And I'm like, I'm named after some old dirty, filthy, Ragdoll. I don't know, you know, that doesn't do a whole lot for your self-esteem, you know, your self-image, which I guess even our names we got to rise above sometimes to just say forget that, you know. I, it will be Roger Maris in my mind, but I don't know how you got your name. Some of you nowadays, they, uh, people get serious with names now. I mean, they... When we had our children, Pam and I have a, a daughter and a son. When we named them, you know, they were just starting to, to go into the, where you had these resources. You could look up names. Now, you, you go on a computer and you're like, favorite names for boys. And you see all these names. And you can come up with a name that means, oh, high lofty one or beautiful to my eye or whatever man people get serious about names now and and people so i don't know it would probably be interesting to find out where you 
actually got your name. Some of you, uh, these front row boys, y'all need to ask these folks here, really, why did you name me that? No, I'm sorry. I don't want to throw you in depression. It, <laughs> it might be some crazy reason, but then again, I'm sure, I'm sure that it's got a good logical reason. But David, he had other sons and daughters, and in this case, these three sequentially were named after experiences that David had, and hence he named this son this name and this son based on experiences, and that happened a lot in the Bible. Uh, names were given because of unique experiences that people would go through. When I've studied David like you, I've, I've seen Absalom, I've seen Amnon, I've seen like Solomon, I've seen those names, and I'm like, oh, okay, I got, I got, a, I got an idea of those. Those were pretty famous, pretty famous names, even though they weren't always like what you'd say the best examples in life. But the sons that we're talking about today had significance and meaning, these various experiences. And the first one was, was named Elishama. If, you, if you're reading in the uh, New King James, it says Elishama. If you're reading from the King James Version, it says Elishima. Same, same thing. The variation does not throw off the meaning whatsoever. And when, when I took the time to listen to these meanings, I'm like, it's almost like three steps in my life that God put together. When he held that son up and dedicated that son to the Lord, he was saying, his name shall be Elishama. God hears. God hears. Now, for some of you that think that God doesn't hear much of what you've got to say, or if you've ever said, God, I've prayed and God doesn't hear my prayers, or you've said, it would be good to know if God hears. Uh, one way that we know God hears is because we think the only way God hears is that Anything we ask must come to pass the way that we ask. That's not nearly the case. It doesn't really happen like that. It doesn't really happen like what you ask all the time. And I'm glad that the Lord does not always answer according to my asking of what I ask for. Because I've asked the Lord to take me before. I'm serious. I'm sorry. Stupid, I know, but I've asked, well, just take me on, Lord. I'm glad he didn't say, your, grant, your prayer is answered. Boom. I wouldn't be here today. So see, the question is, does God hear? Well, of course, a statement. God hears every prayer you ever pray. I did not say God answers every prayer you always pray the way that you pray it. But he hears every prayer. And a lot of times our prayers, if we would pay attention, we're, we're praying and the next prayer we pray may be a variation of what we had prayed an hour earlier. So God does hear our prayers. He does. And, and David knew that. David knew that if anybody can help me, God can. God can hear. He will hear my prayer. Psalms, beautiful scriptures to read. Most of the psalms that you read are, many of them are actual just prayers. Prayed out from David to somebody to record and to write it down. But yes, God does hear. How do I know that David believed that? Well, it's kind of like this. David said in Psalm 3 and 4, I cried unto the Lord and he heard me. 
In Psalm 30 and 8, I cried unto you, and you have healed me. Psalm 109 and 4 said, I will give myself to prayer. Got to give myself to prayer. Psalm 34 and 6, this poor man cried, and the Lord heard him, and he delivered him from all of his troubles. So, yes, the Lord hears. He hears your prayers, but he doesn't always answer them according to the way that you ask them. Because prayer, powerful. It is a form of communication and connectivity to God that's just really almost hard to describe sometimes. The power of prayer. How many, think, let's think a minute here. How many of you, how many of you really are here today as the direct result of somebody praying for you? Somebody, not you necessarily. You, somebody prayed for you and you're here now. You don't, you don't, you didn't just end up here. Somebody prayed for you. You're here today because you were wayward, maybe. You, you were doing your own thing, living your own life, but you had maybe a mom or a dad or, or grandparents or aunt or an uncle. Somebody was praying for you, and God heard that prayer. God heard that prayer. And I know as sure as I am here, somebody prayed for me. My parents especially prayed for me. I know my, my father was very instrumental. He was just a more of a laid-back man, you know, than my mother was. But my dad would say, praying for you, son. Now, my mom, she'd come and grab me by the, by the, by the collar, you know, so let me tell you one thing, boy, I'm praying for you, and in the name of Jesus, you're going to quit that, or you're going to not, not do that stuff anymore. She's praying. Well, another way I know she's praying was that, you know, when we're, we're, when we're, when we're growing up, we do things that we regret later. I, I regret, can't do anything about it now. I've apologized to them and asked forgiveness. They're in heaven now, but... I did not respect them near the level I should have. They were great parents. I did not keep all their rules and regulations, if you please, to call them that. They had something that some of you kids around here today don't understand. It's called a curfew. That's just not a government-imposed thing for cities, you know. But you, the, the curfew is... you. You can't be out at after 10 p.m. or 11 p.m. No, my parents said, I'm like, I'm gone, you know. So, like, you know you got a curfew. Yep, I know that. Did I keep it? Nope, didn't keep it. That's wrong. I was wrong. Sorry, regret it. I have lived to regret it, I guess you could say. But I would... I am sorry that I was away from the Lord. I did things. I was doing things I should not have done. It's called sin, you know. Because after a certain time in the evening, anything done after that time is usually not good anyway. It's not like, you know, it's not like I would come in, you know, at 1 or 2 o'clock and say, you know, Come, come running in at, at, at 1.30. Hey, man, we had a great prayer meeting. I can't recall ever doing that. I can't ever recall coming in with my Bible saying, boy, we just got to pray and then we got carried away and forgot our time. Had I done that and they may have said, well, that's okay, but maybe try to call next time. No. Normally it was more like a staggering into the house. It was wrong. I was wrong. I hate that. But you know what would happen no matter what time it was? No matter what time it was. My dad is kind of like me now. Uh, I go to sleep. I'm gone. He gone. I'm, when I'm sleeping, I'm sleeping. I used to not be able to do that, but I've been set free from that. 
I can sleep now. But my mom, very light sleeper, if she slept hardly at all. I would come in. I couldn't sneak in because my, my, my vehicle had thrust mufflers on it, so I couldn't. I would push the clutch in and coast as far as I could without the, the mufflers making noise and, and pull in. But then sneak in the house real quiet, you know, bump into something. Oh, man, easy. Lighten up. Lighten up. Get in my bed when I close the door, crawl in the bed or closet or somewhere I didn't know where I was going to end up at. And I'd try to go to sleep. And you know what I would hear? I would hear a mumbling at first. But then, then I would hear something like this. It sounded a little bit like this. Sound like my mom was having a real serious conversation. I would hear her say, Satan. At first, I thought maybe she's talking to me till I realized the rest of the conversation. Satan, you can't have my son. Lord, I pray that Roger will not go out and do, and she would name the very thing that I did that night. I pray, Lord, he won't go out and do ABC. And I'm laying, and I'm like, oh, ABC, I did it. Then she'd say, and I pray one thing, devil, that you will not let him take up that uh, filthy habit of DEF. And I'd be like, oh. DEF tonight. On and on, she, she knew. She was in tune. If we want our children or our loved ones to get to where they need to be with God, we, we can't have this kind of pansy religion that's being pawned off on us today. We've got to get, like, really serious. And we've got to call it what it is. I was sinning, and my mom was calling out the sin and rebuking it to the point. I'm going I'm to name one thing that was a sin to me because it's apparently stunted my growth. I didn't grow real high. They used to always say smoking stunts your growth. So I don't, I don't know. Anyway, I, did, I took up a habit of smoking when I was very young. That was bad. I know that. And I'm not here to judge anybody that smokes. I'm not here to tell you. You're going to do this or that. But for me, for me, it was, well, one thing, it was illegal at that age. But uh, I did take up smoking. My mother despised it with a passion. She hated the fact that I smoked. She'd never smoked in her life. It's, she didn't even hold back a bit on making sure that I confronted the bad thing of smoking. So I would hear, I heard her one night. Cause I was in, I was in a, uh, I played bass in a band where uh, I was Church of God. Uh, lead guitarist was Roman Catholic. Uh, rhythm guitarist was Southern Baptist. Another guitarist was a uh, Lutheran. The drummer was a uh, non-specified. I don't think he went anywhere. So I was around a bunch of guys that didn't care what they did, and they did whatever. So I, that's where I got that, doing that at. But I heard my mom one time. She was praying. She was like, oh, Lord. I can smell him from his room closed up in here. He's been smoking again. Lord, I really, I, I want you just to take that desire from him of smoking. Now, see, because some of you think prayer can't get specific, and some of you think that prayer can't really knock it out of the park and get results. Some of you think that prayer can't do some things almost. She was naming this for me. Like, Set him free from it. it. It was a bad habit. I admit that. It was a bad habit. And she said, matter of fact, Lord, next time he lights up a cigarette, make him sick. And I'm over here trying to sleep, and I'm like, 
What? You shouldn't be praying for your child to get sick. She made it worse. She said, oh, Lord, I pray you make him sick. Lord, make him sick as a dog. I don't, I've never interviewed a dog, if y'all like, when they're sick. like, hey, dude, what's it like being sick as a dog? I haven't, but I imagine sick as a dog. I've seen some of them sick, and it's, it's just plum ugly. She's like, make him sick. Make him sick as a dog. I mean, she got carrying on in the spirit after that. She's like, I think I just rung the bell of heaven. He's going to get sick as a dog next time. He fires one up. Do you know, a couple of days later, I don't really remember when, how, but a couple of days later, we was all gathered, a bunch of guys was going to go practice, and I lit a cigarette up, you know, and I smoked a little bit, and I was standing there, and I was kind of like, <clears throat> to myself, I'm like, I feel kind of weird. I ain't. I ain't taking nothing, so I don't know why I feel bad out here all of a sudden. And then all of a sudden, my ears heard, make him sick. And then I, then it hit me because I got the feeling worse. And I'm like, oh, make him sick. And I'm like, guys, I got to go. I'm about to get sick as a dog. <laughs> and literally, literally, I got in my car and I took off and I had to pull over on the side of the road and I got sick and I'm like, to myself, I'm like, you can't, you can't do this kind of stuff to your kids, can you? Well, story is I don't do that anymore. That was a, a, a weird example of prayer. Hey, some of you kids, some of, some of us family members, we hear one of our family members saying, I tell you what, Lord, get a hold of them and shake them real good. You better kind of curl up and say, uh-oh. He's going to shake me real good. God answers prayers. It may be a weird one like that one to make him sick and make him sick as a dog. But tell you what, God hears. That is the value of prayer. I am here because somebody prayed for me. In my home church, when y'all have prayer around here and you see somebody come to the altar, it's not like I'm telling you what to do, but what you need to do is <laughs> no. A good idea, when people come to the altar, don't just leave them hanging down there. And I'm sure y'all don't. I've never been in altar service with you. But if somebody comes to the altar, man, don't leave them alone. Come down there and get, that's, you talked about my home church. When I was growing up and you went to the altar, you, you needed to pack a lunch or snack with you because you weren't going to just go down there and kneel down and say, thank you, Jesus, and get up and go, oh, no, no. You go to get up and somebody say, thank you, Aunt. You just need to pray on through a little bit more there, brother. They would come and gather. Any of you ever been in a, in a setting like that? Thank God for my, my heritage. That we would get around an altar. They would, they would like, man, pile up on you. Like, you know, a, a fumbled football. And you're the football. And they're going to be like, Whoa. And, and, and you hear them saying stuff, oh, my God. You know, get a hold of him real good. Shake him up, Lord. Oh, God, let him let go of those sins in his life. Oh, Lord, let him hang on. And everything you can, all this stuff, you're like, what am I supposed to be doing down here? My home church would not let somebody go without some backup. When, when, if you see somebody come to the altar and nobody's down here, take the initiative yourself. Take the initiative yourself. I watch, I watch the... My, my son's home, he pastors, and that, when we're home, that's where we go to church. And it's a different kind of church. It's like, <clears throat> I don't know what percentage is like 40 and under, but the biggest percentage, I feel like Methuselah there, like I'm the, the, the old. They kind of look at me like, oh, great elder, I have a question for you. You know, like I'm like some kind of old as dirt or something. But when somebody goes to the altar, it used to be that nobody would, I'd look around like, is anybody going to work with them? Anybody going to help them? And for a while, nobody would go. And we happened to be in a small group meeting, especially like men's discipleship, really going on strong at my son's church. And in that men's discipleship, that's when I'm like, hey, I'm a member here. I pay tithes here. I got a voice here. I'm like, hey, y'all. Come on, when somebody goes to the altar, get up, 
and go help them out. It's not like I'm not going to go do it. I do. But I'm like, let's do that. My home church helped me to understand the value of prayer. When you come and when somebody, especially at an altar, they're needing something. That's what that's all about. Be a backup. Be a support. Be a, a comforting hand on their shoulder because prayer, my, that makes all the difference in the world. You know, I wonder, if we were to try to say, what, what's the most important thing? Our thriving church, y'all have a beautiful church, facilities, eye-catching. I saw it from a distance, and I told my wife, I'm like, if that's it, then I love it. It's eye-catching. You, you've got opportunities that's being availed at this church for not just you for a Sunday morning, all week long, all kind of stuff going on. But if I could just throw in one thing since I pastored 34 years that could be a very positive thing, it always, every time, when I want to question, when I used to question myself about church growth, about community involvement, about community interaction, about church interaction. And I always went back to one thing about my personal experiences, prayer. Simple, simple, simple. If we would just pray like we mean it and quit this, help me, Jesus, amen, thank you, Jesus, and leave. You say, well, are you judging my prayer? Well, if I am, I'm sorry, because I'm not supposed to judge. But what I am saying, we, it's time for us to pray to the point that we, the Lord says, they mean business. I, yes, I hear. I am a God who hears because of the value of prayer. If there's one thing I could say, be a praying church. You can start at home because the more you pray at home, the more it affects and influences this body of Christ. Pray. Anybody can pray. You can pray out loud. You can pray to yourself. You can pray while you're riding down the road. You can, just, you can pray while you're driving. Just when you pull up at a red light and you're praying like really fired up, kind of praying, and there's nobody in the car with you, you know, this person next to you may say, oh, watch out, lock your doors. They're crazy over there. Well, maybe we are. Pray. Don't let the enemy stop us from praying like we need to. He named it. Amen. Give God praise on prayer. We need that. Prayer got us where we're at. Prayer got this church where it's at. He named another one God knows. Well, isn't it, isn't it good to know if God hears, then it's kind of like, I know it. I know it. Sometimes we, we pray like we're informing God of something that he doesn't know. It's kind of like we feel like we're praying, like, well, Lord, I, I know you don't understand this, but I, I've been really struggling here lately. He knows. God knows. Eliada, God knows. Now, one of the worst times in David's life was when he tried to hide a horrible moral failure sin with Bathsheba. And tried to act like it's all innocent. But the prophet's like, no, you, you it. I know you. One thing we all need to understand, God knows every one of you by your name. No matter where you got that name or how you got it. He knows you by your name. And he's extremely adept at math because he knows the very numbers of the hairs of your head, which is a, for some of us would be a huge challenge because, you know, God knows. First Corinthians 10 and 13 lets us know. He knows that our temptation is it's common to man. It's nothing unusual. He's got a way of escape. God knows. He named another one Eliphalet. Eliphalet. God hears. Oh, y'all not, not follow me. I'm going to go over here. These guys can follow me. They're not following me, okay? I said, you know, God hears. 
That's cool. Any of these yours? Just him? Okay. Good. So, okay. Y'all got this. You know he hears. You know he knows. When you think you're sneaking around doing something, he knows. He knows. But just think about God. I'm glad that God, he knows. But also that he delivers. He hears. He knows. And, and he's hearing me say, oh, Lord, I need, I can't deal with this. It's overwhelming. I hear you. God, it's like this, though. I know. But I can't handle it, God. I need divine breakthrough. I need God. I need you to step in. What are we going to do, God? And he'll say, I'll deliver you. Well, what point would it do for God to come to me and say, oh, I heard you. Good luck with that one. Now, wouldn't you want to say like, well, goodness, thanks, God. Of course, we wouldn't do it, God, because we're afraid we'd get knocked out. But for him, just, for him to say, ah, I heard you. And then for him to say, well, I know that one. Got to be tough on you. And that's it. No, I'm just kidding. Y'all, 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 y'all got the sequence. He does hear. He does know. But the logical step only that God can make is that I'm going to take care of it now. Let's just deliver you from that. Let's just get on past that. Let's just take care of that. God delivers. Thank God he delivers. If if. If it's not for the delivering power of God, we would all be miserable people. Number one, the deliverance comes first in when you say, Jesus, I am a, I can't deal with this thing called life. I'm a sinner. I'm lost. And, and as a sinner, we may say, if there is a hell, I'm probably going there. Yeah, there is one. And if you don't know Jesus, yeah, you are. But you know, we, we may say all this stuff, but the greatest deliverance is for him to say, your sins are forgiven you. I'm in your heart now. I'm in charge now. I wouldn't know what to tell you if, if I couldn't say, God delivers. Pam and I are pastoring in one real big situation in our life. When we was pastoring a traveling out Midwest, and early one Sunday morning, I, I just sensed I needed to check in with the church. Had everything covered, all the bases covered, everybody got in their places. I didn't need to check in, but something in my spirit said, you need to call Vivian. I called Vivian to just say, hey, we'll be home here tomorrow. As soon as she heard my voice, she screamed in the phone. Don't know if you ever had anybody screaming to the phone at you from fear. I heard fear. She said, oh, pastor, oh, where are you? Ron, they blew his brains out at 4 o'clock this morning in his own home. They killed Ron. Well, who's Ron? Ron was the chairman of my pastor's council. A, 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 a financially blessed, spiritually blessed man that gave to people all the time instead of being a keeper. He was killed, murdered in his own house, in his own nice house. His wife was in there with him, and she's like, Vivian said, Vicky was there, and Vicky saw it. She saw the bullet hit him behind the ear, and she knew he fell over. She knew he was dead. And all she knew to do was that she had to try to get help. So she, 4 o'clock, 4.30 in the morning. 
She has no shoes on. She, she, while this guy's over there cussing her dead husband out, she flees, goes across the street, and of all things, their best friend lived right in front of them at that time of the morning, had company from out of town coming in within the hour before that, and they were still up. There was lights on, so she runs around the back to the kitchen window. They see her. They, they let her in, and she's, of course, trying to scream what just happened. And this crazy guy with this 357 chased her, broke out a window, one just aimless shot, wow. severed the aorta of the man of that house and killed him. So within five minutes, she saw two of her best friends murdered. So as I found that out from Vivian, I'm, as a pastor, Pastor Paul, I'm like, I need to be there. I need to be there now. But I was outside of Springfield, Illinois. I was a long way. I wanted to be there. So in my thinking, I'm like, I will go to the, to the airport. I'll get a flight, and I'll get home. The rest of the family can follow me in the van. So I go to the airport. I'm, I'm anxiously awaiting. You've been to the airport, and you're getting that line, you know, to buy a ticket, especially if you don't have one already purchased. I'm ready to purchase me a ticket. So I'm standing there, and people go and come, and I'm, I'm like just stepping my way up. There's about three or four people in front of me, and uh, it, you wouldn't have heard a thing probably if you'd have been there. Standing there, my mind screamed out, get out of this line. Go get in the van and ride with your family. And I'm, I, What am I doing? I didn't know it was the Lord speaking to me, so I'm like, man, I'm, I, know I'm, I know I'm impatient, God. I pray for my ghost. Here I am arguing with God, and, and finally, you know, I don't pay attention to it, so I keep making my way up. I take another step or two, and I hear another, you wouldn't have heard a thing probably, I don't think, but then I heard another, get out of this line. Go get in the van, ride home with your family. And I'm like, dude, just calm down. You, you, you're, you can almost touch the counter. You're there. Hang in there. You can do it. You impatient nut. Be still. Be still. I was even getting quoting like, be still. Yea, I say in the Lord. But you can do it here. Hallelujah. But I didn't know what God was doing. So I, 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 one person is in front of me. And I'm going to my next steps to the ticket counter. And, and right before I, it's my turn, they're still there, but I'm about ready to take my step. I got my credit card in my hand. And I heard in my mind that time say, remember the last two times I told you I heard, get out of this line, go get in the van, ride with your family home. This time I heard, I told you to get out of this line now. And go get in that van and ride home with your family. So I'm like, oh, man, okay. So I do actually listen to that voice and go get in the van and I drive home. And probably about 13 hours later, I get home. Middle of early morning starts. I go visit, see Vicky and the family. They're still up, shocked. And I go home and I sit down in the den I don't know what time it was, 2, 3 o'clock in the morning, and I turn on the news just to decompress a little bit. You ever had anything happen that you're like, did somebody do that on purpose? Am I being videoed right now? Soon. I'm not talking 10 minutes later that I had to wait. Soon. Soon as I turned the television on and it opened up, the news channel that I was watching had a picture of a plane crash. And it said, plane crashes, 187 
people are feared dead. Flight number such and such. Now, I've got the, I've got the front page of the Greenville News with this big, bold letters about the plane crash. And when, when, when I'm sitting there listening, I hear that flight number, and I say to myself, dude, that's you. Now, you're going to tell me God does not hear, know, and deliver? That was my flight number? I can't understand the theology of why I live and so many people died. That, I struggled with that for a long time. I, I don't know that. I'm not worth saving in my own thinking, but to God, something's going on that he said, I choose to spare him. I, I'm going to send him home, and he's not going to die. Well, let me tell you something. Maybe the Lord's trying to tell you today, if you just listen to me, you will not die, but you shall live. If we would listen to the Lord a little bit more often, he might just walk us to the strength and help that we need. My wife got, she was sick. I, I, we, we go on a, an anniversary trip. The Hilton Head, this wonderful place. It had a, we had our own pool, and we weren't used to having places like that to visit. We're down there, and it's the first week of June, and Pam's sitting by the pool. It's just us. We got our own little place with a blanket around her, like it's is outside. And she looked like she wasn't well. She had issues going on. We even on the island went to a, a get lab work and white blood cells are not good. Uh, if you would, you, you are a recipient of, of God's hearing, knowing, delivering. Good morning. Um, so often when we're serving the Lord, we just don't expect that we're going to have to encounter uh, bad things. And in 2002, as Roger said, I, I, I got what I thought maybe was the flu. Uh, later on, went back to the doctor and they did just blood work and my white count was high, but they thought it was a virus. Well, <clears throat> come, they sent it off and it came back and they said, no, you have leukemia. As far as I knew, I was doing good. We were pastoring, and I'm like, this can't possibly be. I, I was in denial for sure. They continued to do the blood work, and the kind of uh, leukemia that I had is called lymphatic leukemia. It's uh, chronic instead of acute. So when you hear of children, most of the time they have to have treatment right away, but if it's chronic, it's slow growing. But there is no cure. And so um, at that time, they said, well, we don't want to do chemo right now. So I thought that I knew the Lord heard and answered and delivered, but my faith was tested. Um, I thought, do I really believe that? I mean, first of all, I can't hardly understand why, why Lord, I've been serving you. I don't, I don't understand. We don't understand. Sin's in the world, and it happens. The fall sickness came into the world and we're not exempt from that no i the, the enemy tried to tell me it was because god didn't love me or i wasn't worth it or i had failed him uh, sickness just happens to people we don't understand that but i decided i either believed what god word, god's word said or i did not and so i did i determined that it wasn't just going to be my daily Bible reading, which is good, and I needed that in church and worship, but I was going to let his word become my medicine. There is no medicine, really, except chemo, and I wasn't ready for that yet. So I found some scriptures to stand on and begin to memorize them. And I'm not telling you, because I know everybody's journey in sickness is not the same. As Roger said, he doesn't understand theologically why the Lord spared him. And I'm grateful that he spared me, and I'm here to share my testimony today because God is the one that is in control. We, we are not in control. That's one of the things the Lord showed me. So if you're a control freak like I am, that was a difficult place to be. But I started standing on his word and quoting his word as though I was taking medicine every day. One of them in Psalms is, I shall not die, 
but live and declare the works of the Lord. And you know, when you start off with that and you're sick, it's like the enemy's like, yeah, yeah, sure. You really believe that, don't you? Well, you know, I kept going back to the doctor every six months. That's all they wanted to do was just watch the blood work. And nothing was changing. And whatever you're standing on today, whatever scripture you're standing on, you may have been standing on it for some time. And, you, and the enemy may be telling you, nothing's changed. Nothing's changed. Why would you believe that God's word is powerful? Why do you believe nothing's changed? You're sick. You know, it's just something that you're saying. But God's word is alive and sharp like a two-edged sword. And so the whole time that we're standing on it, it isn't always what we see or what we feel. It's the truth of it. It's the truth of his word. Also, uh, bless the Lord, O my soul. And all that is within me, bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, all my soul, and forget not all of his benefits. Because he forgives all my iniquities and he heals all my diseases. And I continued to stand on that. My doctor was not even a Christian at the time, my oncologist. Fast forward to the time when it became more acute leukemia. And I was in, really, I was in a dire situation and I needed chemo. And I just kept saying, Lord, I know you won't allow me to go through that. I, I know you won't allow. Well, you can't tell the Lord what he's going to let you do. He just promises that he'll never leave you or forsake you. And I kept saying, Lord, I give you my life. Whatever you want to do with it, it's yours. Would you just help me not walk in fear? Because whatever you're struggling with today, if it's a financial issue, if it's your children, if it's your spouse, if it's your health, it's fear that brings torment. And so once you can settle that you're, that you're a child of God and no matter what happens to you, you can still walk in peace. That was the greatest deliverance for me. Regardless of how my life, the length of time would play out, I just knew that every day was valuable and I wanted to walk in peace. So, yes, they lined up chemo. I was supposed to have six months of chemo. They would reevaluate and decide what, was, you know, what would go from there. The first round of chemo that I had was remarkable. When I say remarkable, I mean I had such a tremendously positive response to that. And I think that the Lord probably had healed me in a service that we had prior to that first chemo dose. But it's hard to tell you, doctor. You know, the power of the Holy Spirit <laughs> fell upon me last night, and I don't believe I have leukemia. He didn't quite buy that yet. So I did the, the, the chemo, the first round, the second round. By the third round, my white count was now so low that they could, hardly keep, they could hardly bring it back up. So I was back in the office with the doctor, my oncologist, who probably had never seen anything like this in his life. He's looking at me, and he's looking at my lab report, and he's looking at the computer, and he stops everything. And he says, halt, stop, halt, halt. I was like, oh. he said, no more chemo for you. No more chemo for you. He said, Amen. He said, you've had a cellular change at the molecular level. I don't think he even really knew what he was saying. Roger was in the office with me, and, and Roger's mouth was like, and, and I was in shock because I had three more treatments to go. And I said, uh, uh, I have to have three more treatments. He said, no, no. You've had a cellular change at the molecular level. He said, you don't need anything else. I said, how will we know? You know, I'm a fact person. And he said, well, we'll do a bone aspiration and when it comes back, we'll know. I'll never forget sitting in his office that day when it came back and he walked in and, and he had a file in his hand. He said, what do you want this to say? And, and I said, well, that, you know, that I could be normal. He said, he said, who said you're not normal? He said, there are no signs of leukemia in your bone marrow. <laughs> and now that is right at 13 years, 13 years with no sign of leukemia. I want you to know, I know that every story doesn't play out that way. 
And I don't tell other people what God will do. But one thing I do know is that God does hear. He knows. And he can deliver. And he is still a healer. Stand on his word. Don't allow fear to torment you. God, you're in God's hands. His word is faithful and true. And to God be the glory. Stand with me, please, together. Heavenly Father, for your goodness today, we thank you. Thank you that you hear. Thank you that you know. And thank you that you deliver. And Lord, there may be someone here today that needs you to do one, two, or three of those concepts. Maybe they need all of it done. We're going to trust you, Lord. Hey, church, as you're standing there and we're getting ready to, to finalize this prayer, if you need God to hear something from you that's just out of your control, if you need God to know how serious you are and you need him to deliver you, if you just slip up your hand right now and, in, and all of us just pray. If there's anybody near you that's got their hand up, just lay your hand on them, please. Just look next to you. And if there's somebody got a hand up, just pray for them right now. Because in Jesus' name, you're the one that can just overwhelm us with your grace today. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Go to somebody if nobody is near them. We don't want anybody with an uplifted hand not having a, a prayer for them. So if somebody got their hand up, pray for them. In Jesus' name, that's why we're here today, folks. We're here to just allow the Holy Spirit to work in our lives and touch our lives. Mend us, Lord. Mend our torn lives, Lord. Heal our sicknesses. I pray, God, that you would calm our emotional distresses. Lord, lift us out of our depressions. Whatever we need, you're the Lord, and there's none like unto you. So thank you, Lord. Those of you that have been praying for something, now give God thanks and say, Thank you, Lord, for hearing me and knowing me and delivering me. Just by faith, declare that's happening in your life. Thank you, Lord, for all the works of God that we need in our lives. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. You're so good to us and merciful and gracious in all that you do. Do you all understand just how good the Lord is? He loves you more than I have the words to even tell you. Thank you, Lord. The rest of you, just slip a hand up of praise. The Bible said, lifting holy hands without wrath or doubt. So just give God a little praise today. Lord, we thank you. We bless you. We honor you, Lord. We know that you are God and that there is none like unto you. We praise the name of the Lord and we thank you, Jesus. We love you, Lord. Don't you just thank him and love him for what he has done. Bless your name. Bless your name, O oh Lord. Thank you, O oh Lord. We just thank you today. Thank you for this church. I pray for Pastor in the name of Jesus. Touch Paul and Kim and may the Holy Spirit anoint them to be led to lead this church, Lord. And that the Lord will reach people in this community and even around the world with their efforts. Father, even right now, I pray. I feel such a burden for someone, and I, I pray, God, right now, because there's, there's some folks in this room that, that feel like that God doesn't hear them. There's some folks in this room, even right now, that feels like, does God know what I'm going through? And I'm praying right now, Lord Jesus, that you would touch their heart. God, that you would minister to them right now, God, that you'll open their ears, Lord, to hear 
you speaking into them, just like you, like Roger shared of him being in that line, and you spoke so clearly to his mind. I pray even right now, God, that you would speak into our heart. Lord, that you would bring healing and let us realize that you are still God. You're still on the throne. You still care. You're still compassion, compassionate for us. Lord, we're, we're, we're not just someone who's gone astray and, and nobody recognizes. God, you are right there. You see every misstep. You see every wrong step, God. You know everything about us. And Lord, I pray if we'll just reach up right now, God, that there'll, there'll be a reaching back grabbing a hold of the hand of the Lord God that you would raise us up we might feel like we're in the quicksand of life sinking Lord your word tells us that you will set us on the rock to stay and I pray even now God that you'll hold us and embrace us and lift us up and encourage us even now let us realize that you you have not left us nor forsaken us, but you are with us. And your word declares that I will be with you until the end of the age. Thank you, Jesus, for this word of assurance today. Thank you, God, Lord, for the refreshing understanding that you do hear our cry. You do know what we are going through and Lord, you are capable and willing to deliver us and set us free from the weight of the burdens of the past. God, bring renewing and strength into us today, Jesus. Those hands that were raised, minister to them, minister healing and hope to them today. Let your life, the life that you only you can give, be poured out on them today. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Isn't he good? Come on, somebody. Isn't he good? Amen. God is awesome. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Pastor Roger. Thank you so much, Pam, for sharing with us this morning. Remember, services uh, next tomorrow night we'll have CR. Wednesday night we'll have our, our regular service tonight. Remember... Uh, a meeting at six. If you can make it, we'd love to, love to you to be a part of that. Um, men's breakfast Saturday, right here. Men's breakfast right here Saturday. Give me a time. Eight thirty. Men's breakfast eight thirty right here. You do not want to miss this. This is better than any pancake house or anything like that. You can go to men. Come out and enjoy. I'm sure there'll be a word to give and some fellowship to have and some labor to, to, to embark on afterwards. God bless you guys. Love you a whole bunch.